0: we want to thank syracuse.com for their support of the daily orange not just for this sportscast but through the rest of the su basketball season and for any syracuse students and faculty be sure to utilize your free subscription to syracuse.com coming up on this week's sportscast like
1: the day after nil passed buddy came out with these shirts with the players trunk with buddy bucket shirts joe gerard actually has the most instagram followers in the team explains why he also got a few deals
0: the ncaa's decision on july 1st of this year to allow players to profit off their name image or likeness opened the door for collegiate athletes to build their brand and make money off it without restrictions from their schools and collegiate conferences at syracuse no player has been more involved in utilizing this new tool than buddy bayheim who became the first collegiate athlete to sell merchandise that featured both his name and the university trademark one of our men's basketball beat writers, Gorov Shetty, explored what the NCAA's ruling has meant for players at Syracuse in his story, which came out November 18th, headlined how Buddy Bayheim Cole Swider, and others are cashing in on name, image, likeness. It's the start of a series of stories which will explore other facets of how NIL will affect SU men's basketball, such as taking a look at the recruiting implications that already reared their head with the decommitment of Kamari Lands. Gorov joined us this week to both talk about the story already published as well as tease some of the stories planned for the next few weeks. Williams, Williams, to I'm Arab Thoma Jim This is the daily orange sportscast thank you gora for joining us i hope you had a good thanksgiving you were here for a little bit of it covering syracuse basketball i hope that went well
1: yeah it's uh, i stuck around for an extra day to cover the game against colgate which is now looking like a more worse and worse loss for syracuse they let colgate score 18 threes and get to 100 points And then Colgate turned around and lost to Harvard and now Niagara. So yeah, that's just, I guess, how college basketball is super chaotic.
0: Yeah, always chaotic. I never really know what's going to happen. You had covered quite a game yesterday. And I want to start there instead of going straight into your story. You have a lot of stories to tease as well. So we'll get into all of that. But I want to kind of get your takeaways of the season so far and, and maybe just specifically talking about the game yesterday because it's so fresh.
1: Yeah, yesterday's game was so hectic. I've never had a a coverage like that before, a double overtime basketball game where I thought I I was writing takeaways at the buzzer. I thought I had a solid one, and then the game went to overtime, and then double overtime, and I had to change it. But so far for the season, I think the biggest takeaway is the defense is really struggling. Post-game against Indiana last night, Jim Baham said the defense hasn't been good all year, even though they forced 25 turnovers yesterday, or 26, sorry, turnovers yesterday they still are not where he wants them to be. And they're pretty, I think the last I checked, they're in the 170s on Ken Palm for defensive rating. So they really aren't where they need to be. I talked to some of the players and they mentioned how it's just a lack of experience. Because if you look at the zone, obviously you have Buddy and Joe in the in the backcourt at the top of the zone. But then you have Cole Swider, who's a new transfer to the team. Jimmy Bayheim who's a new transfer to the team. And then Jesse Edwards, who's really only starting for the first time in his Syracuse career. So, The defensive setup isn't as experienced. The players hope that they'll get better with time. But, I mean, they've let in 100 points against Colgate in regulation, 80-something to Arizona State last week. And yes, it was double overtime yesterday, but again, another, another 100 points to Indiana. So it's something to keep an eye on, something that they would hope to improve on, but something they've really struggled with so far.
0: I don't wanna put you too much on the spot, but but do you kind of put that more down to the coaching or is that really just the inexperience of the players and, and they just need to figure it out themselves right now?
1: It seems like a little bit of a little bit more of a players issue. Jim Beheim interestingly elected to start with what he called a 1 1 3 zone yesterday. So he actually moved away from his iconic 2 3, which I can't remember the last time he did. But in the first half it worked he said that they wanted to get the ball out of the high post so they had the guard sort of staggered in the 1-1 and it really worked because in the first half they created a lot of turnovers indiana was not scoring very well and i think they went into halftime with like a double digit lead and then indiana made some adjustments at halftime figured out how to get the ball around get the ball to open shooters in the corners and they made the comeback and obviously tied the game at the end and again at the end of overtime and eventually fell but Clearly the defense, there are some glimmers of hope, but I mean, if it took just one halftime adjustment from Indiana, clearly that there is a lot more left to work on for this defense to be
0: where they wanna be. Well, long season for sure. So they have time to figure it out. And the offense seems like it's clicking more or less.
1: Yeah, I would say the offense has clicked for the most part. They're doing pretty well, but three point shooting is something that's been a little bit streaky. They started really well on the season. I think Joe Girard made about nine straight. He didn't miss for a while. But Cole Swider has struggled a little bit out of the gate. He's had good games here and then. But if you look particularly back at the game against VCU on the first game in the battle for Atlantis, Syracuse couldn't even top 60 points. And that was because VCU's defense is really good. But the Orem just didn't figure out ways to get players like Jesse Edwards, Cole Swider, Joe Girard going. And when it's just left on Buddy, to score and keep Syracuse in the games, that's not sustainable and that's not something you can keep
0: up. Now, you wrote about something a little bit different, something away from the court, really, in terms of the NIL, I guess, lifting of restrictions that the NCAA did. It allows players to get paid for merchandise, for ads, commercials, whatever whatever it is, however they want to get paid. It's basically a, allowing players to get sponsored by different brands and, and help you know be a face of certain brands. Now, Buddy Bayheim has really been the guy on the Syracuse team that's really taken that and ran with that opportunity. You wrote about him and a little bit about Joe Girard as well, I believe, in in your story from two weeks ago now on Mm -hmm. how Buddy Beheim, Cole Swider, and others are cashing in on name, image, and likeness. I want you to kind of just give me a rundown of, of the story and what you were able to find out about how a lot of these deals kind of came about.
1: Yeah, so over the summer the NCAA NCAA passed new legislation that allowed college athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness, hence the name NIL. Essentially it's a way to create some equality where uh, for the for the past however many years, it was universities that really made a lot of money based on an athlete's play. So for example, if Buddy Beheim, if you think back to his NCAA tournament run last year, he wasn't getting sponsors during that run. It was Syracuse that was getting the attention. It was Syracuse that was getting sponsorship money, brand deals, because people wanted to be associated with the basketball team because they couldn't associate with Buddy individually. But once that passed over the summer, that sort of opened up multiple avenues for players to kind of figure out different brands that they wanted to partner with and get paid by. Buddy actually made history as the first athlete to have a sponsorship deal that featured his university's trademark. So what happened was like the day after NIL passed, Buddy came out with these shirts uh, with the players' trunk, with Buddy Bucket shirts, and they had the Syracuse University Block S on it. And that was something that the university, Buddy, and the players' trunk all worked together on. To make it happen and sort of create history with that deal by using the block s but it's been really interesting so far buddy has been the clear front runner on the nil deals on the team that's simply because the beheim name carries a lot of weight here in central new york likewise his him being the best player on the team him having a lot of social media following is really what makes him attractive to brands because then they can tap into a new market. Joe Girard actually has the most Instagram followers in the team, which explains why he also got a few deals. One thing that has caused a bit of contention that Jim Beheim has pointed out is that international players can't profit off of NIL. So Brahma, Bay, Jesse Edwards, they can't sign any deals because they are international players. So that's something that NIL, since it's still in its very early stages, people have to work out the kinks of what would be fair and unfair and that's something that actually has to go through congress to figure out whether international players with their work with their student visas can profit off of NIL
0: now with the the buddy bucket shirts and and you know specifically How did that come about? Because you mentioned uh, Hunter Pomerantz and you quote him in the story as well. And he seems to have really made the calls that kind of got the whole ball rolling with that.
1: Yeah. So Hunter Pomerantz, he used to be one of the managers on the basketball team and he was a manager. I think he's a class of 2020 grad from Syracuse. And so he knew Buddy and Joe pretty well during his time as team manager. And he said he remembers like literally right after NIL passed, his first calls were to Buddy and Joe, who are his friends. Like they're not just some business partners they're like they were friends before NIL and now they still are. But he was like, hey, we can work together. We can make something happen. And essentially what's happened is they've made these deals. Buddy's getting paid. Joe's getting paid. And the player's trunk is profiting as well. So it's a win-win for those friends right there
0: now not all of these deals are being made between friends you teased to me before coming on here today that you know uh, you're probably gonna end up writing a story about buddy and a commercial that he's in so I kind of want to figure out how that you know would work out because you know those kind of deals is it buddy reaching out is it someone reaching out to him how, how did that kind of stuff get put together because I mean these guys don't have agents you know people kind of that they have, I guess, SIDs for the school, but they don't have personal PR people. So how, how do these deals get put together?
1: Yeah. So if you remember over the summer, Buddy Beheim had a serial commercial with Three Wishes Serial. And the founder of Three Wishes, Ian Wishingrad, is an SU alum. He actually, through a few contacts, reached out to Julie Beheim, Buddy's mother, and they sort of got a deal going. And eventually what happened was they shot the commercial, they put it out there. And that was without the university. So that's essentially what the crux of NIL is. It's between players and a business. Like the university doesn't have a hand in these deals. They can't go out and say, we're gonna get you this deal with X brand or something like that. It's more that brands like Three Wishes might reach out to Buddy or Buddy might have a pre-existing connection something like the player's trunk. So that's sort of how these deals go down. Joe Girard has mentioned that like a lot of his deals just go to his camp, like his dad or someone gets someone reached out to them and then they kind of figure out the details of the deal and then they can end up announcing it at whatever point.
0: Now, iSlide was an interesting one as well to me because they ended up signing a whole bunch of, of players that play for Syracuse now. So how did that, but it went through Buddy, it seemed like, initially.
1: Yeah, so that's another example of a third option. I've mentioned that sometimes the brand reaches out, sometimes the player has a connection. This was an example of Buddy himself reaching out to iSlide. iSlide is already a partner with Syracuse, so iSlide sells. Syracuse branded slides and so they already have an existing partnership with the university as a whole and I was talking to the representative from iSlide and he mentioned how it it was a no-brainer to bring on Buddy. They also brought on Joe Girard with his big platform and then they elected to sign Cole Swider who they interestingly knew about because iSlide is based out of Boston and Swider's from Rhode Island. So he's in that greater Boston area and they knew about him in high school and wanted to sort of pair with him, but they couldn't because NIL hadn't passed. But now that it has passed and he's still at Syracuse, they figured he might have markets in Syracuse, Villanova, or even Rhode Island. They also signed Benny Williams, who they think as a freshman might make the leap and pop off and have a really great year and they could capitalize on that. And then likewise, Samir Torrance, another newcomer to the team. He's actually a Syracuse native, so they sort of wanted to capitalize on that homecoming narrative and how he's a local to Syracuse, and that's why they ended up signing him as well. But the interesting thing about iSlide is because they had a partnership with the university already, if you go to Syracuse's campus bookstore, you'll see a rack with iSlide merchandise and you can buy things like Buddy Bucket Slides there because there is that partnership already. So this is almost like a th- sort of three-way deal that was mutually beneficial to all parties because Buddy got his march out and he got paid. iSlide also sort of made money by capitalizing on Buddy. And then the university hopped in and was like, we can facilitate higher sales for a cut of the profits. And that's sort of what ended up working out.
0: Seems to be, at least a win-win-win situation for everybody involved uh, what was the kind of overall i guess feeling that you got from from talking to the players and then even some of the the companies and the people that are you know kind of running the marketing for the companies what was the feeling that you got from them about the ruling and, and what they've been able to to put together so far
1: it sounds like the the players who are signing deals are having a great time with it buddy loves acting in these commercials he had a beacon skiff one as well and all of his teammates were laughing about it, they thought it was a great time, they thought it really fit this personality of just being a goofball. But I think for the, the companies as well, iSlide said sales have been up because it's been a great deal for them, likewise for the players' trunk. But the interesting thing of note that Jim Bayham also sort of complained about during ACC Media Day was that it's unfair that, for example, someone like Buddy is getting all these deals, getting all the money, but someone at the lower end of the rotation say like frank anselm might not have any deals might not be getting any money and that's something that nil is still in its early stages but the whole crux of nil was that it's supposed to reward players essentially for their play and their following and their brand and that by nature is going to be the best players on the team so the People are gonna follow the best player on the team on social media. They're not gonna follow the eighth or ninth man on the basketball team. They're gonna follow the star player. And so that's how it sort of works. But the basic thing was that for a long time, that's how it worked on college campuses. So like for any student on campus, whoever has the most followers, they're more likely to get a brand deal. So if a student in the engineering college has like 10,000 followers, and then a student over in Newhouse has like 10, it doesn't matter, there is no fairness. It's just going to reward who has the biggest market. And that's sort of what happens to basketball players and just athletes in general now. It, it allows student athletes to essentially be on the same playing field as the rest of the students on campus. And that was sort of the big equalizing effect of NIL.
0: Now, the interesting thing to me about that is that, say, a guy like Buddy, and you were kind of saying that, you know, when, when he had these commercials, some of his teammates were kind of laughing along with it, you know, they liked him, uh, but how does it affect, you know, internally within a team, and I don't know how much of a sense you would have gotten from talking to some of the players, I don't know how much they would have wanted to even talk about it, but how did they kind of feel, maybe some of the guys that aren't getting the same kind of endorsement deals that the Buddy's able to get?
1: I don't I didn't get a sense of anyone being jealous or disappointed or anything they're all just happy for their teammates. The one interesting thing was Jesse Edwards is just sort of like yeah there's nothing i can do like i'm an international student. He's someone that now as a starting center, he likely might get a deal if he is an international student. Because if you think about it Cole Swider has a deal and they're sort of on the same like stance as Starters for the Syracuse Orange and Jesse Edwards just had huge games um, down in the Bahamas. So he might be someone that would have gotten deals but can't. And he mentioned how he's trying to do something in the Netherlands, um, in his home country. But that's also difficult because back in the Netherlands, like, basketball isn't as big. He won't be as big of a, a name there as well. So it's difficult for them. That's sort of been the only sort of challenge or gripe that players might have with NIL. But there is no sense of oh it's unfair that buddy's getting more or joe is getting more than than someone else
0: so the international aspect of it really is the the next part the ncaa has to kind of figure out now
1: yes and that's something that i believe has to go through congress because it deals with student visas and their ability to profit while they're here
0: studying gotcha okay so that gets a lot more complicated than than just Um, ncaa ruling right Well, I I do want to touch on a couple of the stories that you have planned for the future. I know they're a little work in progress right now. So, you know, don't feel too pressured by my questions. But yeah, just kind of give an overview of of what can people expect to see from you in the coming weeks, maybe, maybe a month. I don't know how long it's going to take, but this was initially planned to be a little bit of a series. So what can people expect?
1: Yeah, so to sort of round up what is sort of a series, like you said, I have two more stories. The first one being... The effect of NIL on recruiting. So, Jib Beheim's called this recruiting class, it's incoming for the class of 22, one of the best he's ever had. However, Kamari Lands, I believe a four star recruit, decommitted from Syracuse earlier this, this fall. And he mentioned NIL as a reason for why he reopened his commitment. And that's really interesting because in a recruiting pitch, schools can't go to a player and say, hey, we're going to get you this NIL deal with. McDonald's or Burger King or something like that. Like they're just not allowed to because it doesn't involve them. However, from Syracuse's point of view, it might be interesting to point out how successful Buddy is has been here in Syracuse with cameo appearances, autograph signings, commercials, whatnot. And then likewise as well, Joe Girard. So I think they might be able to, in the recruiting pitch, play up the success of some of their players with NIL, but they can't outright say we can get you a deal with this company or that company. So it's a very interesting nuance that's been added to recruiting that I'm kind of curious and would like to sort of see if that's changed any strategies for the coaches at least. But the other story in the series was sort of the NIL effect on local businesses. I've touched upon Hunter Pomerantz, former SU grad, same thing with Ian Wishingrad, both former SU. There are a lot of local companies here that are partnering partnering with Syracuse athletes. It's interesting that for them, especially if they're a small business, it might be cheaper and more cost effective to partner with one player rather than the university as a whole. So I'm really curious to see how NIL has helped some of these companies maybe increase profits or a store like Manny's or T-Shirt World on Marshall Street. How has it changed if they're able to sell player branded merchandise and how well those have done? compared to just Syracuse university branded merch so it's a very interesting angle to see like how local businesses have been affected by nil
0: right and even with the companies that you mentioned in your first story i mean some of them had certain connections to su but i mean not not all of them did and this definitely seems like it makes it a lot easier for them to to connect
1: Mm -hmm. like if you take for example beacon skiff like they are a very central new york kind of Company Like, I'm from Virginia. I had no idea who Beacon Skiff was before I came up here. And I don't think anyone outside of Central New York might know who they are unless they did some research. But their commercial with Buddy Bayheim was probably a huge hit because their audience and their customers probably know who Syracuse is. And Syracuse is a very unique location because there is no professional sports team here. The closest thing a lot of people here have is the Buffalo Bills or the Buffalo Sabres. And that's like a couple hours drive. So the closest thing that they have to professional sports here is Syracuse. And for that, from a player's perspective, might be really attractive because that might mean more deals because they're not competing with a Josh Allen here in Syracuse. Like it's Buddy Bayheim, like Jim Boeheim, like the Bayheim name carries so much weight in this town. And that's because there is no professional sports team. And so that's also something that local businesses and maybe even athletes in recruiting might take a look at
0: right and that's curious how it would kind of connect back to the recruiting aspect of it as well how much have you kind of been able to to gauge on how recruiting has changed already i know it's pretty early in your reporting so i don't want to put you too much on the spot again but
1: like i said universities and coaches can't outward outright say like we can get you this deal but it might change even for lesser sports like for a lot of athletes, it might mean staying in college longer because they can make more money this way because they're not going to go into pro sports. And I think the, the, the key point that people need to take away is that this isn't just for the big sports. Like, this isn't just going to be for basketball or football. Like, one of the highest paid um, NCAA athletes right now is Livy Dunn, and she's a gymnast at LSU. Like, she's not on center stage, she's not on national TV playing for LSU football or LSU basketball. Like, she's a gymnast and it's cuz she has a mil- she has millions of followers on Instagram and TikTok. That's why she's getting all these deals. That's why she's getting paid so much. So theoretically, someone at Syracuse on women's lacrosse, women's ice hockey, men's soccer, like any of those relatively smaller sports could have the same level of success. Like it doesn't matter if you're playing the big sports like basketball, football or men's lacrosse. It just matters how well you're doing on social media because it's the fact that businesses Want to tap into the market you've created rather than Syracuse University's market as a whole?
0: Yeah, the women's uh, lacrosse and, and even men's lacrosse example is, is to me really striking. And I feel like that's where even more so the, the recruiting angle of NIL might even factor in. And obviously Syracuse is associated with lacrosse greatness throughout history as well. So definitely yeah, it's something to look out for. Now, the last thing that I I wanna touch on, and you've been through this drill before, of course, I do wanna get a story or a quote or an anecdote that didn't quite make the story. We're talking about the initial story that you wrote, or, and I'll change it up a little bit for this one, maybe something that you've already found out in your reporting for stories down the line that you'd like to share just as a little teaser.
1: I can give a little bit of a teaser, but I think maybe I shouldn't, because it's a really good one. But I will say the Buddy Beheim Three Wishes cereal boxes are scheduled to drop in January. So look out for my story for the behind the scenes of that commercial and where it was shot, because that's a very important location that I'll mention in my story. But also look out for those boxes that will be hitting shelves come January. So
0: Were you able to go during shooting?
1: I was not able to go during shooting, but I did hear where it was shot and it was really special to the founder Ian Wishingrad he's a huge fan of Syracuse so it was really important and really cool for him from what I gather
0: okay interesting well we'll all look out for that we're also going to be looking out for all your coverage of Syracuse men's basketball throughout the season again you Roshan and Andrew Crane do such an incredible job of covering the team and so yeah look out for their stories thank you again Gora, for coming on
1: yeah appreciate it always fun to to be on the pod
0: While it's still early days for collegiate athletes being able to profit off their brand, the NCAA ruling has created ripples around the collegiate sporting world already as you just heard. The NCAA's decision on July 1st is just the beginning of changing how collegiate athletes are treated. Be sure to look out for Gorov's stories on NIL and its implications, which will be sure to play an even bigger part in how SU men's basketball, as well as other teams on campus, operate in the coming months. I'm Arab Thilma Jimder, the host and editorial director. Adam McCaffrey and Anthony Allen are the assistant digital editors. Adam Wolf is our music producer. Matt Wrigley and RJ Fram are the associate producers. Nick Luttrell is the executive producer. And a special thank you for the final time to Mariah Humiston, our podcast editor. She's put up with a lot over the past semester and always taken everything in stride and been wonderful to work with. We're really going to miss you, Mariah, and we wish you all the best going forward.